Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. So Greg, I'm excited to talk about how remarried couples can prioritize each other. Because when you have children, whether it's a first-time marriage or a remarriage, prioritizing your marriage can be difficult. It really can. So I heard someone say that we've seen the enemy of marriage and they're little. Hmm. And you're right. I mean, kids in general, we love them. We have four. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to really make time for each other. I remember right as we adopted our our fourth child, our our daughter Annie. Mm-hmm. It, it was just it was everything was so chaotic. So mm-hmm. in, in many ways, we felt like what a blended family goes through. We've now introduced now a new member into our family, and just things. Remember, were just chaotic, and it was hard figuring out how to have time together. It was very hard because there were four individuals in our home, four kids, that needed a lot of attention. Annie was traumatized from being taken from all that she had known. Garrison had been the baby in the family, the youngest, and now there was someone to compete with that. Our daughter Murphy struggled with feeling lost in the mix of all of it. And then there was Taylor. And actually, Taylor was dealing with some health issues. So it was a lot going on. And we really had to be super intentional about stepping away, giving ourselves permission to step away with no guilt, just to prioritize our marriage and us. Yeah, and we'd even made a commitment, hey, for the first year, mm-hmm. we're we're not going to travel anywhere together. I mean, mm-hmm. if we do anything, we'll go on date nights just for a few hours. Mm-hmm. But then we had this amazing opportunity come up to to travel to just this beautiful romantic setting and fortunately we we had a a single friend it's a good good friend of our families and she said hey we, i i know you guys need this so mm-hmm. i'm going to come watch the kids you guys go for a couple days mm-hmm. and it turned out to be fantastic yes, but again much the point needed. was is that yeah, we were so focused on our kids and readjusting and mm-hmm. helping everybody we were so focused on our kids and really helping everybody to adjust to things that had changed that that you and I kind of forgot about each other. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got some great segments coming up. Later on, we're going to have a conversation with a Christian counselor about steps couples need to take when starting a blended family. We'll also hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, how can she talk to her husband about spending more time with her and the kids? But first, we had a great conversation with Scott and Vanessa Martindale about their experiences developing a thriving blended family. They're authors and the founders of Blended Kingdom Families, a ministry that encourages blended families. Let's Let's listen to the conversation we had with Scott and Vanessa. Scott, I'm going to start with you. You explain how blended families can often have the wrong priorities. Explain how that can affect a marriage. Well, I know it's not intentional, so I want to give grace to anybody Mm -hmm. who's listening to this that may fall into this category, Uh, and we do see it consistently, we know with blended families, there's a high focus and high priority on the children. Mm. Whether that is in a newly blended family, you're worried about how they, you know, matriculate together, how they're getting along, how they're feeling about maybe this new marriage. And where it goes awry 
is when those two newly married people start putting the priority of their children at the very top of the list. And all their focus is surrounding how do we construct our lives so that they're okay. And mm. what, because I imagine, Scott, that that's based off maybe a fear that if, you know, that, that this new blended family, you know, if I don't do this, if I don't focus on the kids, what, what is that fear? There's a couple of layers to that. So, yes, there is absolutely an initial conceptual fear of will mm. my children reject this gotcha. uh, mm-hmm. relationship? On the other side of it, I would say everything that goes on with kids is automatically attributed to whether well, in a blended family mm. or this has been traumatic for them. When in reality, kids are kids and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to struggle. And so when you start attributing everything to just being in a blended family, that's what, again, where priorities can get out of alignment. So what we teach and really what we feel like the Bible tells us is that your first priority is your relationship with Christ. Mm. You have to keep that as the center point of it's almost like gravity mm. in, in your world. So whether that is your personal relationship with Christ or whether that is just weekly church attendance, it's, it's got to be the centerpiece of your blended family. Mm. The next priority is your marriage. And that's where a lot of people get out of bounds is they don't put enough priority on their spouse, their needs, the things that are important to them, making sure that you're devoting your time to that new spouse. Mm. A lot of times they put kids above that. And then the third priority is your family, your children, uh, and, and, and that layer of priority. And the one thing I'll point out is notice I didn't put work and I didn't put extended family in those top three. Mm. That has to come as the priorities go down. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it makes so much sense. So, Vanessa, as you guys talk about that that second priority, so God being number one and then your marriage being number two, practically, how did you guys really make your marriage a priority? What did that look like? Or even what what does that continue to look like? You know, in the beginning, our priorities were not aligned um, because I had an alliance to my son and I was a single parent for six years. I very much um, knew how to put him first and I didn't know how to put Scott first Mm. um, whenever we got married. And so um, it was really just being patient in that process and learning um, just taking baby steps. And so in the beginning, it looked like a regular date night Mm. uh, that we set once a week. And we did not break that. No matter what the circumstances were, um, we were diligent and intentional about having that time together, uh, something that the kids were not a part of. And so, and that's something that we still do to this day. We are also very big on taking a vision retreat every single year. Mm. And this is where we set aside time as a couple and we, you know, go to, whether it's a staycation at a local hotel or we go out of town somewhere, but we, we take that time and we do, we have a vision retreat guide that we go through and we cast the vision for our family. Hmm. Um, We pray for each of our children. We pray for our marriage. We talk about the goals, the things that, um, that we want to do when we're empty nesters. And we kind of just go through this, uh, this, uh, vision guide and it's through exo marriage that we use this vision guide and it's amazing and we do it every year and it really just sets the tone 
uh, for the year, but also it's great to reflect on what we wrote on the previous year and how we implemented those things and how we saw the Lord work in and through that throughout that next year um, and just everything that he's done. And so that is something that we just continue to do. And we just encourage uh, couples, you know, keep that regular date night, but also make sure that you're praying together. That is something that uh, Scott and I did not do in the beginning together. We really Mm -hmm. didn't know how to do that. And as we both matured in our faith and as we both started growing closer to Christ in our own personal relationship, we really saw how that drew us closer into um, our relationship together with the Lord. And um, learning to take turns and pray with one another and for one another and for our family. And that has really um, unified our marriage and made us stronger. And so those are just some of, you know, a couple of the things that we've implemented along the way that have mm-hmm. really helped us to keep our marriage, you know, at the forefront under our relationship with the Lord. For for these blending couples um, with younger kids, when, when when they're struggling, when they're pushing back, when they're trying to fight back and they want all that priority and they want the attention, and I know that's hard on a blending couple, um, how do you encourage them to, to do the things you're talking about? Because, I mean, I think it's fair every marriage, you know, we, we're trying to figure out how to prioritize our spouse. So it's probably universal. But specifically, though, with blending couples, how do you how do you encourage them to kind of fight through all the guilt and everything that that they're going through to really keep that marriage a priority? Yeah, you know, we have this saying it's, you know, if if um if a divorce is what hurt your children or a separation, a healthy godly marriage is what can help heal mm, that. And good. so when your children see you putting your marriage first, it's one of the best gifts that we can give them aside from introducing them to their savior, giving them a mirror and a gift of what a healthy, godly marriage is, I think is the best gift that we can give them. And I was that kid. Um, I come from a blended family. So when my mom remarried, I remember I wanted my mom all to myself. I had had her all to myself for years. And one thing that we teach on is we call it the three P's. And my parents implemented this so well. And they've, they're still married, have been married 30 years now. Um, and Scott and I implemented this, but it's we call it the three P's. And it's prayer, patience, and persistence. Mm-hmm. So if you're struggling in that area, I would just say remain prayerful over those relationships, over your children, over your marriage. Um, be patient in the process. You know, blending families, um, you know, you're going to have have your hills and you're going to have your valleys like we all do, like like mm-hmm, we have in life. Mm-hmm. But just being patient in that process and then just being persistent with that, you know, um, and, and persevering through that. You know, your children are going to push back. I remember pushing back. Um, but my parents were still just, you know, persistent in the process of, hey, like, my marriage comes first. My spouse comes first. And explaining that to them. Our boys always want to go on date night with us. But Scott's <laughs> like, hey. <laughs> they sure. do. It's 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 really sweet, but it's a great um, it's a great opportunity. And Scott does this so well. He's like, "Hey boys, this is time for me to love on mommy, and this is our time together. I love you. We'll do something this weekend together, but this is time for mom and dad." And um, you know, watching them just kind of develop that emotional intelligence over the years and understand that um, it's really beautiful to see. So if you're but that's if you're good. someone that's listening and mm-hmm. and you're you know struggling with that and feeling the shame and guilt, understand that that shame and guilt comes from the enemy mm. and you know the Lord wants you to have a thriving marriage and he wants you um to have a marriage that um 
that you love and that you're thriving in. And your children are going to want that too. And that's going to pay dividends in the years to come. Because if you're not nurturing your marriage, um, whenever those kids leave, because they're going to leave someday. Right. And it's God just the willing. two of you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, when they're out of the house and if you have not... Um, maintained and nurtured and grown in your marriage, um, man, that can be a really, a really hard place to be. Yeah, Jeesh, that can be really a hard place. And really figuring out what do we do? So many different things pulling at you, people pulling at you, kids pulling at you, jobs pulling at you, a lot going on, and you're trying to blend together something that um, didn't start together. Yeah, and I so appreciate Scott and Vanessa and their ministry totally. and their passion to really help blended families understand how to thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, as I think back on some of the things that we've learned to do um, to prioritize each other and make sure that we've got time together, is that we really focus on kind of three different types of activities. You know, the first thing that that we really try to prioritize is sort of a daily uh, check-in. Mm-hmm. Really to stay updated, to stay current yeah. on what's happening in our daily lives, but more at that feelings level. And we say under the waterline, and we have to be intentional to pursue that. Yeah. And why that's so important to mm-hmm. distinguish between the two mm-hmm. is you're saying really focus on um, that more the inner life mm-hmm. versus so much of our conversation is geared towards just tasks and to-do mm-hmm. lists and schedules and yes. who's you know picking up who and just all those kinds of things that that ends up monopolizing totally. right our conversation I was just having a conversation with a couple and they agreed like God, we spend 90% of our time there yeah. you know dealing with business stuff dealing with just small talk conflict and what their hearts really were longing for is that deeper level conversation yeah and, and that's why for us we really try to look for you know, just just a few minutes mm-hmm. to where we're asking each other, you know, the higher of your day, the low of your day, how are you feeling? You often will ask me, give me three feeling words to mm-hmm. describe kind of what's going on for you right now today. Yes, and that'll never happen unless you are intentional yeah. about it. So first, the daily check-in, just to really, you know, see where we're each at day to day, but then also having a weekly date night is yeah. important. Yeah, and, and we get that this is very seasonally dependent totally upon not only the weather but also just the stages of your kids mm-hmm. in the ages and what's going on at home yeah i know some couples have you know four kids and all are on one travel team for a sport Ugh. and that just wipes out an entire week because then add in church or family activities or whatever and then add in a date night so I mean, every other week, once a month, shoot for it and make it a goal. Yeah, and and you don't necessarily have to leave the home to have a date night because the the point is find something that's fun that you can Mm -hmm. do together Mm -hmm. because we need fun. We need excitement in our marriage, and that's really the purpose of a date night. It's not just only to reconnect, Mm -hmm. but it, it should be fun. And we're doing something different. So even if it's looking for a new show that we could stream together, I mean, that that can be different enough just to really take advantage of that, of that date night time. Yeah, totally. So checking in daily, weekly date night, or twice a month, once a month, whatever you can get in in this season, but then also an annual adventure, going on a trip 
together. It does not have to be expansive. It doesn't have to be expensive. It can be going to the town next door and staying in a hotel one night. Yeah. Just planning something together without the children. Yeah. And I I love how the Martindales really emphasize setting boundaries Mm -hmm. around this, communicating with our kids that mom and dad need to go out. Mm-hmm. You know, rather it's just for a quick little walk or yeah. it's a, you know, some sort of adventure we're going to go on because th- that's how we keep our marriage strong. Totally. And, and they need to know that. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to say to our kids, hey, mom and I kissing, holding hands, being affectionate when we go out on our date nights. We do that because that's how we keep our marriage strong. And that's in your best interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we wanted them to really understand that you win when when we're doing well. Yeah, even last night, I got off work, you got off work, and we decided to just go to a nearby restaurant and have dinner. And Annie was out for the night and she came home and she said, how was your date night? And I thought that was so sweet that she was even curious about how our date night was, that she would ask. She was just seeing if there was any leftovers. I bet. <laughs> she was hungry, actually, come she to think of it. She had his leftover. Well, if you want to learn more about growing as a remarried couple, we have the Martindale's book here at the ministry, and that's available for a gift of any amount. It's called Blended and Redeemed, the go-to field guide for the modern step family. And it's because of your financial support that we're able to do this podcast. So please donate and get that book today. Yes, and all the details will be in the show notes. Well, we have the privilege of talking to one of our licensed Christian counselors, Glenn Lechens. Glenn, thanks for being here with us. Greg, good to be here with you. Well, let's talk about blended families. So as you think about blended families, what should be the first steps that a couple takes when considering a remarriage, you know, especially when there's kids involved? Well, I think there's there's several different decisions that are important to look at. I think one, maybe, maybe the first one, uh, is to take a look at... Before God, if they're believers in Christ, uh, do they have biblical reason to remarry? Uh, In light of 1 Corinthians 7, verse 11, that speaks into it. If the answer to that is yes, there certainly are some things that Scripture does speak into that indicate uh, the chance to remarry. It's then to take a look at some of the other key components. Have I taken the time? Let's say there's been a divorce. Uh, Have I taken the time previously to work through uh, some of the the emotions? Has there been enough time? Um, Sometimes people will very easily get into their their pain, their hurt, their loneliness, and it's very easy to pursue a relationship after there's been just a short period of time because they're on the rebound. And those typically are pretty disastrous. Is there a sense, I mean, I know what I'm going to ask you, I'm not sure you can answer it Mm -hmm. because I'm sure it'd be all over the place, but in terms of enough time, is there some direction for that person who's going, yeah, I went through a divorce, you know, it's been a year, it's been two years, it's been six months. Any thoughts on what sort of time frame they might be looking at to Some of it will depend upon um, what has taken place prior to the divorce. A lot of times people have been separated for a few years. Let's say a spouse who has left the home, they've been out of the home, maybe they've moved on to another relationship. So really a person has been left years before. Uh, As far as kind of a distance from some of that past pain, I think it's probably ideal for it to be two years or beyond. Um, Sometimes it can be less. I'm not saying it always has to be less. But enough time to really process through the pains that you've encountered, 
the things that you've learned from it. Uh, and I think one, one key element is, am I in a place where I can hopefully be on speaking terms with my ex, hmm. where it's not emotionally just overwhelming to me? Now, sometimes that's not a possibility. Sometimes, um, you know, the, the ex is unwilling to speak with you. But I think of the verse in, um, in Romans twelve eighteen that says, be at peace with all men, if possible, yeah. so long as it depends on you. Some of that's not yeah. going to depend on you. But that can be a fairly good gauge of knowing, have I been able to work through some of these emotions that, uh, that I really need to? For someone who's really thinking about getting married, entering mm-hmm. into a blended family, what's going through their mind? I know within our culture, they they can feel a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. What's kind of going on through their mind, do you think? Well, I think you're absolutely right that there is going to be some, some shame. You know, we're divorced. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to recognize that their identity in Christ is the most important thing okay. about them, you know, because it's very easy to think of, well, I'm a divorced person, but your worth, your identity is not based upon that. Um, I think it's also pretty key to realize, have there been any old wounds in my life that have mm. been unearthed by either the death of a spouse or by a divorce? Are there some things that have risen to the surface that I may need to work through and process through in order to be able to get to a place where I can move forward in a relationship? How can a couple then find ways to prioritize each other mm. when their children have been the priority for a long time? Because yeah. that, that, that's easy to see that happen. Right, right. I think one, one key element is, have my children been able to work through this? Mm. I refer to um, the relationship that a person sees, a marriage relationship that a person sees firsthand mom and dad, as the marriage of origin. That's the the relationship that has probably the most power and impact in their lives. And so a lot of times children have not emotionally worked through the fact that mom and dad are not together anymore. And then here's this other individual, a step-parent who kind of comes into their life, and now it feels like, you know, I... I can't accept them into my life because I've never really worked through this other primary relationship and where it's at. So that often becomes uh, a challenge. Um, but I think you're right. When, when it comes to, especially if there's been a prolonged period of time where children have been with parents alone, now here's this new man or this new woman in my life. How do I give that relationship the time and attention that it really does need? So it's a it's a bit of a balancing yeah, act. It really is. Right. When you say when the children have had enough time to heal, for someone who's really thinking about that going, yeah, what would be the evidence? Like, what, what are some ways that you might know that your children are, are healing or have grown enough to really, you know, pursue another relationship? They can talk about the pain of what they've encountered through their parents, either death or divorce, but they can also talk about their hope and you know, it's kind of like uh, Lamentations 3.16. Jeremiah speaks to, now the scenario was Jerusalem had just been defeated by the Babylonians, so it's a war zone. But he's honest with his pain in 16 through 20, and then mm. in 21 through 23, he says, but this I call to mind. Mm. He then focuses in on what's true beyond his pain. And so when you hear some of both, you know, a child's not minimizing or ignoring the pain. A lot of times kids will say, oh, I'm fine, you know, right. you know. Yeah, I'll get to see mom and dad still. But they're not necessarily being honest with the hurt that it is. Mm. But then it's also important that they're not just kind of in spin cycle in the pain. They need to be able to see that, okay, I can love both mom and dad. Yeah, they've not 
had the perfect relationship. The, the marriage ended, but it doesn't mean my life ends. And I can, I can benefit, I can move forward in my life in a constructive way. That's really good. Well, Glenn, thank you so much. I love your insights. And I know that that's going to be helpful for so many of our listeners. So thank you. You're very welcome, Chris. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we answer your burning questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. You can click the link in the show notes or go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance for free as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Yeah, and we'll even sign them and mm-hmm. that triples the value of our garage sale. So they yeah. go from like 25 to 75 cents. Yes. So we're just trying to help out. Well, today's question comes from Bonnie. So let's listen to the voicemail that she sent in. Hello, my name is Bonnie, and um, I've been married to my husband for almost five years. And um, my husband's job is so demanding that he's there six days a week. Well, we have two children, and um, I take care of everything. And um, I just have trouble, you know, just getting my husband to understand that there's no loyalty that lies in his business. I, I, I need him home more, but I don't know how to tell him that. It seems like he's more loyal to his job than he is to the home. And like you said in one of your podcasts, I feel alone. I feel alone that I'm constantly, you know, <laughs> doing everything and not a lot of help. And I don't know where to go with that. Mm. I love, Bonnie, that you are able to identify what you're feeling as a result of the circumstances. And so you're saying, I feel alone. And I wonder how often you tell him about that, about what you're feeling and what it's like for you um, versus telling him what he needs to do or not do. Yeah, or or, or making it kind of what... Bonnie, what what you said earlier is that that you know it's it's hard to understand why he's working so much because there's really no loyalty that lies in his business. And and I think for for guys, and Bonnie, this is what I'd really encourage you to to really think about, pray about, really even ask him about. For for guys, there there's such that deep deep longing to provide for our family. And if Aaron was to say to me, you know, hey, you know, you, you don't need to work as much. You know, there's no loyalty there. Where I would struggle with that is that that I, I would feel very failed because mm. I would feel failed on one hand because, you know, my wife is now telling me I'm, I'm failing at home. Mm-hmm. But then if you're telling me there's, you know, that there's no real loyalty at my job, I'd feel pretty failed there as well versus really understanding you know for for men that that deep desire to to provide for our family we want to do a great job mm-hmm. and 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 you might be very right maybe there is you know maybe that employer or that business there's no loyalty there mm-hmm. but i know for me 
you know, I, I need to know deep down that I have what it takes to mm-hmm. be successful because I want to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. Bonnie, one of the things that I would really encourage you to do is to really dig in and understand his perspective, kind of his side of the story. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're really trying to have a deeper insight and awareness around, you know, what what's behind maybe him spending long hours at work? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there could be job-related stress or maybe there's, uh, you know, the boss is given some real, you know, unrealistic workload for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to understand what is going on, but also to share what's going on for you, because I do want to stress that this doesn't feel good. And this isn't what you're really wanting, it sounds like. So it's important to really check in and and figure out what am I feeling? You're saying I'm feeling alone. Is there anything else? Am I feeling taken advantage of? Am I feeling disconnected? Am I feeling unworthy? What is what is it that it's stirring up inside of me? But then also thinking through what is it that I want? What is it that I would like this to look like? Because then when you go to him, it's not all about you, 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 you're doing this, you're doing that, versus, you know, really stepping back and having a conversation that will lead you to what you really want. Yeah. And in, in Aaron, like you're saying, it, it's so important to understand both sides. Mm-hmm. So I, I I love how you're encouraging Bonnie, you know, what's really going on for you? Is it beyond feeling alone? Is there other things that are getting triggered? Mm-hmm. But then really having that deep understanding of his perspective, because I know that there's been times that, you know, that, that I have felt at different jobs, not here mm-hmm. focused, but at mm-hmm. different jobs I've had that there's been a fear that I would lose my job. Uh-huh. You know, I felt that pressure. It it wasn't out that I was so ambitious that I was spending all this time at work. There was a lot of things going on. I had mm-hmm. one time had a had a boss that just kept piling work on me, more work, more work, with with no help, no clarity in terms mm-hmm. of what what success would look like, mm-hmm. and thus it required a lot of time. So if you simply mm-hmm. would have said, "Hey, there's no loyalty there," you know, you need to spend more time at home. I never could have connected with that, mm-hmm. and it just would have continued to be an argument between the two of us. Versus coming to you and saying, hey, I really miss you, yeah, and would love for you to be at home more. Can you help me understand what's going on at work, that you are spending so much time there? Because I'm over here, I'm feeling alone, and we have two kids, and I really want you to be here with me. I want to feel connected. To you, yeah, and, and it could even be that he's not sure how to be successful at home. Mm-hmm. You know, men will usually gravitate towards where they feel successful, right? And so maybe that's a part of what's going on. Maybe he's not sure what 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 being a great dad looks like, or or uh, you know, being a loving husband, mm-hmm. what that looks like. He may so, not have had a role model, right? And so thus, it's uncharted territory. So really, putting on that hat of curiosity instead of assuming, you know, what that you know what's going on, putting that hat of curiosity on, and just sitting down and. Doing it at a time that you're not stirred up and triggered, obviously, because otherwise you may not end up experiencing what your heart is desiring. Yeah, because, Bonnie, you're right. At the end of the day, you've got to negotiate mm-hmm. you know, these household responsibilities totally. with him in a way that feels like a win for both of you. Aaron and I are simply saying, hey, before you jump into that sort of renegotiation, mm-hmm. you know, how much time at work, how much time at home, here are the things I need help with, mm-hmm. you really dig into that sort of deeper conversation. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
Well, thanks again, Bonnie, for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have any questions for us, contact us. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. Remarriage and marriage can be difficult, and we hope this episode gave you some insights into thriving in your remarriage. Be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, we want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. We want to see you grow spiritually, both as couples and as individuals, so that you can invest in other couples to help them build thriving marriages. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.